today on CityCast Salt Lake. If you listen to this show often, you might feel like you know Ashley Finley, a friend of the show who is a birth worker and community activist. She's here often to help me round up the news. As a full-time doula, though, she is very familiar with pregnancy and abortion health care. And so we're talking about it, having an abortion, specifically the one that saved Ashley's life. It's Thursday, June 30th, 2022. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Hi, Ashley. Hi, Ali. Well, welcome back to CityCast Salt Lake. <laughs> Thanks. It's always so fun to be here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wish, you know, we were talking about, I don't know. I'm glad we're talking about abortion, actually. <laughs> But I am too. So I want to talk to you because it's interesting. Like you come on the show so often and we talk about your role as a birth worker and often it's integrated in our conversation, but it just feels like in this moment, mm-hmm. I'm at once like really grateful to know you and feel connected to your practice of birth work because I'm learning so much. And then also like we are now just living in like a post row world and conversations around reproductive healthcare are changing. Like every time we blink. Right. You're right. It's been a whirlwind (laughs) this last like few days. And, and again, like, you know, uh, we anticipated it. Right. But Mm -hmm. I think it's okay to say that it's been a lot, even though we anticipated it and we have, the complete right. And we're valid to feel like we're just in this tunnel where every, every day is like you said, like it's, it's another conversation, new information, more emotions, mm-hmm. more stories. Um, mm-hmm. so I just want to validate you. I want to validate all of us and our feelings and our anger and our grief right now. And like, let it be known that there is space for that an infinite amount of space. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. As someone who's never been pregnant or carried a pregnancy, like what does a doula do? Yeah, that's a great question. (laughs) And it's always such a fun one to answer. So doula means like servant, right? Okay. But not necessarily in the sense of like, like servitude, right? Mm -hmm. But like a, a person who is serving their community or serving someone else to get through the journey of pregnancy and postpartum. Mm -hmm. And so I consider myself to be a birth keeper, um, Mm -hmm. which is a different term than doula, but sometimes people kind of umbrella them. Okay. And that means that I hold um, a knowledge that I, that of like ancestral birth practices, um, specifically as a black woman with roots in the South. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I hold that knowledge and I'm always trying to kind of honor that ancestry and keep those beautiful practices of birth. So in my day to day, what it looks like a lot is I support emotionally, spiritually, educationally, and in some ways, physically through the prenatal period, okay. I support during the birth, 
Mm-hmm. Um, meaning like I am there from when you call me and say, hey, I need you mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> to when your baby comes and you're settled and in that like after birth bliss. Mm-hmm. And then I support in postpartum as well. Um, mm-hmm. And postpartum can look a lot of different ways for a lot of different people. And I just yeah. kind of try to leave that up to my clients, like what that looks like. But it's really important that I also mention that most doulas do support postpartum. And then there are doulas specifically who practice postpartum care. Okay. How do most of your clients find you? Word of mouth, to be honest. I just have this like beautiful network of people who keep me in mind. And then one good thing is that when you are a doula to a family, oftentimes if they have family members or friends or meet someone in the yoga studio, Mm -hmm. they'll like drop your name and say, oh, I had a doula, you know, and this is her name or they'll come back. Like I love returning clients who say, hey, remember when you were there for (laughs) the birth of my my little one three years ago, guess yeah. what? We're doing it again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So for me, it works a lot through word of mouth and um, just kind of the community knowing me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I have been thinking about a lot lately is what does it really mean to be pregnant? Like as someone who has like bared witness to so many pregnancies, how would you define it? Mm. So, oh, that's a good question. <laughs> and I will say that I have a little bit of a unique experience, especially from a lot of birth workers, because I have been pregnant, but I have not had successful pregnancies, meaning I'm just, I've, I don't have kids, right? So for me, I guess what I've come to kind of witness is that pregnancy is this, it's a transformation. Hmm. And I think it's really important to say that because I think especially in Western culture, we kind of think of it as like an aside, right? Like that person is this person Mm -hmm. and then they had a baby and those Mm -hmm. two things, they don't inform each other or like they're not integrated into each other, right? And in our society, right. the way society views pregnancy and even views parenthood, right? right. Like it's a state, right? It's like a state you're in. Right, exactly. It's a state you're in and it's not a transformation is like how society views it. But I think mm-hmm. traditionally and from what I've been able to witness in my work, it's a huge transformation. It's a journey. It's stepping through a veil Mm -hmm. because you're not only just parenting, right? Mm -hmm. You're literally a portal to life, Mm -hmm. right? And how can that not be transformative? Yeah. There's a lot of like, you know, medical things, which I think are also really important to mention because your body changes. Like, spiritual and emotional transformation that happens, right? Like that's really big and we need to speak to that, but also there's a very physical transformation that happens when you become pregnant, whether or not that, that pregnancy goes full term, you know, and everything then becomes different. You know, we've, we've had this idea of like a snapback, 
returning back to pre-pregnancy. And that's Mm -hmm. just simply not how it works. Everything is different. (laughs) The Living Traditions Festival is back in downtown Salt Lake City, May 17th through 19th. And this is when I come alive. It is so easy to sell me on three days of Washington Square and Library Square converting to a global food court. And this festival has truly been one of my favorites for years now. Living Traditions convenes the diversity of artistic traditions, food heritage, music, and art from the many cultures that have made Utah their home. You can expect everything from live music and dance to hands-on workshops, a little shopping, Sundance film screenings, and Bohemian Brewery. There is something for the whole family, and it's free entry. Come celebrate all of the rich cultures that make up our community. Find more information on the festival and view the full program guide at livingtraditionsfestival.com or on Instagram and Facebook at slclivingtrad. In your birth work, have you witnessed miscarriages or abortions? Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, I I consider myself to be um, more of a full spectrum doula. Um, And so I've had less experiences with abortion, but Mm -hmm. I've definitely witnessed both of those. Yeah. What is your, of course, this conversation about abortion is personal for everyone, but Mm -hmm. what is your personal relationship to it? Like, how are you feeling in this moment? Yeah, I feel a lot of things. This decision has made me reflect a ton, right? Mm -hmm. On my own life and my own experiences. So one thing that I guess, important for me to say that it's actually interesting because I haven't talked about it a lot. Um, and so I think it's a good time to, right. (laughs) Um, is that I've actually had, um, to terminate two pregnancies and they were both ectopic pregnancies and what an ectopic pregnancy is. It means that the pregnancy never implants into your uterus stays and grows in the fallopian tubes. Okay. So that pregnancy will never, what the dangerous thing about ectopic pregnancies is that because it's not where it's supposed to be. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, it can kill you. And so it kills you by bursting your fallopian tubes and causing, you know, like internal bleeding and major d- damage to the reproductive system. Mm-hmm. So I've had two of those. (laughs) The first one was a surprise to me, but the fact that I was pregnant was not a surprise to me. Mm -hmm. And I had actually planned to terminate the pregnancy anyway. Mm -hmm. And I was at work one day and I started cramping really bad and bleeding. And I went to the restroom and, and saw, you know, lots of blood in my underwear, excuse me for the graphic (laughs) description. We got to talk about this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important to be candid and open about like the reality. Mm -hmm. And I was like really confused, right? I had this like huge kind of influx of emotions because I was dealing with this 
this idea first that I was like, all right, I have my plan date that I'm going to terminate this pregnancy. Of course, in Utah, you know, you have to do like, there's like a class you have to take and you have to do an ultrasound and like all of that stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. Before they even allow you to do the procedure. So I was really bothered by that, of course, because I understood the gravity of the decision that I was making. Right. So And I was going steadfast to that day. I was doing the things, checking off the list of the things that they told me I had to do so that I could continue with my life, right, is Mm -hmm. how I felt like at the time. It just wasn't a good situation for me to, to be pregnant. And then I'm at work again with this inner turmoil, um, I I worked with one of my roommates at the time who was also a medical professional in the army. And I came out and I went over to him and kind of was like, hey, this thing is happening, you know? Mm. And he looked at me and he was like, you need to go to the hospital. And I was like, you know, probably not actually. Like, I'm probably having a miscarriage. People do this, you know, like... Mm -hmm. I, I don't have insurance. Like at the time I was in that um, kind of beginning stage before you, like your insurance kicks in and stuff. So I was oh, yeah. uninsured. I wasn't making a ton of money. So I'm just like, nah, like people ride these things out at home. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna work, you know? And like, mm-hmm. it's not that bad. And if it gets bad, I'll go home. It's like, absolutely not. Like I'm sending you home. You know, he was like my supervisor and he's like, by home, I mean, you need to get your ass into an emergency room. Yeah. But again, I was thinking about the bill. Right. And so I went to Planned Parenthood Mm -hmm. and I was thinking, you know, I can receive free care because I had received birth control at affordable rates and free rates whenever I couldn't afford it. Mm -hmm. They were the people who gave me and confirmed the pregnancy in the first place. And of course, I was planning to terminate through Planned Parenthood. So I had a relationship with them and I went and I was completely like, it's so interesting how I brought it up. I was just like, hey, like I'm having a miscarriage, you know, like I know that you guys have medical providers here. Um, I just need you to confirm this miscarriage, (laughs) write me a note and I can either go back to work or go home, you know? Mm -hmm. And I remember they did an ultrasound I think in in the office and I remember her being like hey like you know it it could be a miscarriage but there's like a lot of bleeding and yeah miscarriages have a lot of bleeding but one thing that we're concerned about is that there's not um like also like tissue essentially like Hmm. I was just bleeding a lot Hmm. and they're like that's not necessarily indicative of a miscarriage right right and so Um, the provider was like, you know, I would suggest that you head up to the ER (laughs) and it could be. And if it is, you know, there's things that they could do, but you need to go get this checked out just in case. And then actually informed me about more stuff that I didn't know. Right. Like, even if it's a miscarriage, then there's a procedure after that you would have to do to make sure that they removed the pregnancy completely so that you don't hemorrhage right like Mm -hmm. all of these things that I had no idea I was like I'm just gonna drink tea sit on a heating pad and like let it happen you know right so I went up to the U and was told that I had an ectopic pregnancy and was looked at like 
deeply in my eyes and said, you need to terminate this pregnancy. And I remember the provider even saying like, I don't know your religious affiliation. I don't know what Mm. you feel about this, but I want you to know that this is not a viable pregnancy Mm. and that I'm like getting teary eyed. But if you do not, you will not make it through the night. It's likely that you will not make it through the night. And so here I am alone in the ER (laughs) having to say, oh, like, so now it's not just more about my, my personal choice, right. Which is valid and reason enough, but now it's about my life Mm -hmm. and whether I can live. And so I, of course I went through with it and, you know, I was scared and it was a longer process. I, I was able to, I was fortunate enough to terminate medically instead of surgically mm-hmm. um, because the concern with like an ectopic pregnancy is that if it's big enough, like they would surgically remove it and it would ruin your fallopian tubes. Mm, okay. But there's a medical way that you have to like do these injections and measure your HCG levels and all of that. Mm -hmm. That's non-intrusive in that way. And so I was really fortunate enough to be able to to terminate non-surgically. That was my first experience, right? And I kind of just shoved that experience away because I was like, oh, well, I was planning to terminate anyways, you know? So like, Mm -hmm. I guess this just was in line with that but also like not realizing the effect that having a pregnancy had on me in general, the emotional effect of like realizing that I was just going to (laughs) work. Right. We can talk about all of these things, especially about like financial and socioeconomic access. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I was literally going to work and die because I did not have insurance and I did not have enough money to pay an ER bill. Mm -hmm. And I'm still paying that bill today. (laughs) You know what I mean? But like, I appreciate my, my story because so many of the things that I think that I talk about and I dedicate myself to, it's like kind of the quintessential example, right? Mm -hmm. Like a young person trying to carve their way out in life who one felt like they were doing quote unquote, everything right. Right. (laughs) Like, like all of that, you know, and then had to make this decision because I just knew I do not live in a society, right. That would have supported me at 22 years old, having a baby. Yeah. One of the things about that story, about your story that really stands out to me is the importance of relationships like having a relationship with a coworker you could trust. Yeah. I haven't worked with many specifically. I think you named that they were male, like men that I would walk up to and be like, I am bleeding happily. I think it's a miscarriage like that level. Like just, I mean, that that's intimate information. And so having someone, first of all, you can trust then that that person cares enough to direct you to care, going to an, an establishment, an institution where you had built trust, Planned Parenthood, like trusting them when they gave you direction, like 
relationships. I mean, and even now in like the work you do where it's like all your clients are coming by word of mouth, these community relationships, this community care, even when we're talking about abortion as an enshrined healthcare, right? Mm. Relationships are still at the core of all these stories. They truly are like relationships. Community is at the core. Um, Yeah, I think that's a beautiful observation. (laughs) It's interesting to me because I'm thinking about what the future looks like in a world where the right to have an abortion is not enshrined, whether an elective abortion. Mm -hmm. And honestly, like we're now seeing so many stories come out where it's complicated, right? Like for so long, the movement to end abortion access has been very simplified. And now we're in a place where the details are really important, like exactly how many weeks, exactly what circumstance. And um, in a post-Roe world, Mm -hmm. right? Like Mm -hmm. we still have relationships. How do we continue to foster them to get people care? Yeah. Um, without going on too much of a tangent, this whole Roe versus Wade, the overturning, right, is really important to understand that even if this is not serving anything, it's the system flexing its power. Hmm. You know what I mean? It's a, mm-hmm. a reminder. It's a reminder to us who get too big for our britches, right? <laughs> like, right. like who has the control. Mm-hmm. But I think that if we remember community we remember interpersonal relationships we remember that we're all we got we remember that it's up to us to take care of each other and to have each other's backs in the most fundamental ways mm-hmm. i think that we can shift the power right we can remind ourselves that we are powerful with each other when we're not looking elsewhere for the power when we're not looking elsewhere for the permission to do things. Sometimes we just need tangible ways. Everyone's talking about abortion rights and reproductive rights. And so I think let's get on that momentum. And I think it's really important that we start turning into our local abortion funds and local reproductive justice organizations Mm -hmm. and start donating, supporting, volunteering, and educating ourselves about the work that they do. And I also want to highlight, too, that these are folks who are trained on how to effectively support folks seeking an abortion, Mm -hmm. right? In whatever way that looks, if that looks like we have to start traveling, if that looks like maybe we have a little bit longer here in this state that people can receive abortions, right? The folks at the abortion funds are really, really familiar with all of the intricacies and how Mm -hmm. to safely support people. Yeah. And to your point that like, we're already here, it's like, they're already here, right? Like one of the things that does give me hope. Yeah. This has been in play for a really long time. There Mm -hmm. was a pre row world. There also was a, I mean, during row, we heard from a lot of people in reproductive health care that row wasn't enough, Mm. right? Like, I mean, Mm -hmm. even in Utah before the Supreme court ruling an 18 week abortion ban was passed, right? These institutions, these people, these community leaders that are doing this work, they have been doing it. And one of the things that gives me hope is just the fact that 
they're already organized. They're ready because they've been doing it for years. We've got to support and uplift them now, I think, more than ever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, that also means the Black Birth Workers Collective. Yes, yes. Thank you for plugging that. (laughs) Um, Which you are a founding member of. I am, yes. The Black Birth Workers Collective, a powerful, powerful group. And I'm not just saying that because I'm biased. For, (laughs) (laughs) For Black people from really different backgrounds, in a lot of ways, really different uh, communities, right? But who all have a love for reproductive justice, for birth work, for supporting our communities. And so um, thank you for plugging us. Yeah, you can find us on IG, (laughs) the Black Birth Workers Collective. Um, That's right. Ashley, thank you so much for your time, for the work that you do, and for sharing your story. Thank you so much, Allie. A little news before we go. Elective abortion procedures are taking place in our state right now. So far, Attorney General Sean Reyes has not appealed the temporary restraining order issued by a judge on Utah's abortion trigger law. Meanwhile, Planned Parenthood fights a case determining its constitutionality. State constitutionality, that is. That said, the Utah legislature passed an 18-week ban in 2019, which is now in effect. Do you know who was the floor sponsor for that ban during her time in the Utah Senate? Lieutenant Governor Deidre Henderson. Meanwhile, two current Utah state legislators are opening bill files ahead of the 2023 legislative session. Representative Angela Romero is working on a bill to remove the criminal penalty for physicians who perform unauthorized abortions under Utah's trigger law ban. She herself admits the bill has a steep climb in the legislature, but she's going to fight for it. And Representative Jen Daly Provo is considering a bill for the second time that would change reporting requirements for rape victims in order to receive a legal abortion under Utah's trigger law ban. Currently, it states that a report must be filed with proper authorities. That's in quotes. Representative Provo is researching if we can expand our interpretation of proper authorities to include a physician or a rape crisis center, specifically not a police station. That's all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. I want to thank Ashley and all the guests on this show that have shared intimate stories with me, with us. I know it sounds cheesy, but I really feel lucky to share a city with all of you. We'll be back tomorrow morning. Bye. Bye.